families, communities, and citizens across our country are currently dealing with the worst drug crisis in American history, and even, if you really think about it, world history. It is something. The numbers are just amazing. I mean, it's it's more than car wrecks. It's it's more than all kinds of stuff that we worry about regularly, the number of people that are dying from this opioid stuff. And what is it, 125 a day or something like uh, that? Yeah, Chris, Chris Christie Roughly? was... Uh, <clears throat> Governor Chris Christie was making the uh, point that we have a 9-11 every two weeks, I think is the number. Wow, that's a hell of a way to put it. Yeah, it is. Um, to, you know, to make the point that uh, God, there, there are places where they don't know where to put the bodies. There are places where uh, firefighters spend way more time dealing with overdoses than they do with fires. I mean, it's not even close. Why you call them firefighters? They're, they're overdose uh, respondents Yeah, in, yeah. in a lot of cities across America, which is it's amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, it's funny. I'm I'm so torn on this because are we burying the lead? The president declared it a national medical emergency or something like that. Well, a national emergency, which frees up funding and methods and and laws and bylaws, et cetera. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because every every time we talk about this or look into the policies or listen to the speeches or whatever, I'm reminded. Of, of listeners who've emailed us saying, listen, I have this uh, situation, I have this condition, I have chronic pain, blah, blah, blah. And these laws have made it impossible for me to get my pills on time. And they've set up all these bureaucratic roadblocks, blah, blah, blah. And I juxtapose that against the fact that virtually all of this is at least semi-voluntary behavior. Um, I have a huge amount of sympathy for the person who's in a car wreck, has a surgery, gets hooked on these pills. Um, but... Just uh, how can we have a society where you can't say to your doctor or or your local firefighter or I don't know your priest somebody, listen, I am hooked on uh, oxycontin. I need help. I'm bad. And everybody says, okay, cool. A lot of people are. Here's what you do. I don't. I don't get how we don't have that protocol in place. Yeah, there's also the here's what you do isn't uh, clearly nailed down, which is a problem on its own. And it's a, it's a really tough road. I get that. It doesn't always work, even if everybody involved is trying their best. But I'm just, you know, I'm just afraid that some of the uh, the methods that we will uh, employ and the money we will spend will be, uh, you know, ill-applied. Because this is a classic, we have to do something. This is something, therefore we have to do this type of reasoning, which so often happens in government. To me, the first thing you, it'd be nice to nail down, and I don't know how you'd ever do this, is is what percentage of the people that are hooked on this stuff want to stop doing it. Right. Um, that's a good place to start. But Right. And I think anybody who does want to stop doing it, and I understand sometimes when you're an addict, you're in a, a death struggle with yourself over whether to get help or not. But um, anyway. Uh, but you can't hold them down and make them stop, though. I'm saying, what are you going to do? It's a free country. so Well, you actually can do that. <laughs> Literally hold them down, <laughs> strap them to a bed. Well, okay. IV in the arm, imprison them. You know, obviously that would be grotesquely unconstitutional. Sure. What if we did that? <laughs> well, well, this is what we need to discuss. If if uh, there are people that don't want to quit, okay. So there's people that uh, we're looking at them as society and say you should want to quit. You don't want to quit, but you should want to quit. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with those people? Right. Right. I, I have no idea. Got this note from uh, an anonymous uh, source. I'm a psychiatric registered nurse who works in a psychiatric hospital in the emergency department. Well, but that's, that's int- got to be interesting. Yeah, work, God, yeah. I'd say. Wow. Anything interesting happen at work, honey? No, not really. I bet that never happens. Yeah. 
Previously, I worked in drug and alcohol treatment for 15 years. Personally, I have 26 years in 12-step recovery, free from drugs and alcohol. On any day, 50 to 60% of our patients are high on meth or cocaine, not people with mental illness. Most are frequent flyers. Some come 50 times a year. They get loaded. 50 times a year? That's weekly, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. They get loaded, become psychotic due to drugs, sober up, eat lots of food, refuse any treatment, leave the facility, and repeat. 2400 bucks a day if they walk in. Add a grand if they came in by ambulance. Add $6,000 if they went to a medical emergency room first. Most of my liberal colleagues are just as dismayed at how laws have been passed requiring evaluations on people who are drug users and not mentally ill. But wait, there's more. The hospital often gets them on disability, which isn't cut if they use drugs. Experienced doctors aware of the realities turn folks away from the hospital, but it's the exception. Last week, a great doctor I worked with told a patient who was saying he was suicidal, quote, in 20 years coming here, you haven't committed suicide, and I'm reasonably sure you won't in the next 20 years. In the next 20 years. You're not going to be admitted here, and you won't be admitted if you come back in an ambulance. Please leave now, or we'll call the sheriff's department as you're not suicidal, you're trespassing. God, yeah, I think that you makes perfectly good sense, but I, can, uh, I imagine that runs afoul of all kinds of uh, guidelines and laws and who knows what else. Because you could get sued if you know, don't take it seriously. Right. To the, quote, compassionate legislature, legislators or compassionate 22-year-old vegan psych students. Yes, it's complex, and I've simplified some of it for brevity. Yet, yet there are many easy solutions that could be instituted with amazing results. Experienced psychiatric uh, doctors and nurses understand mental health and substance abuse. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Compassion cannot enable others. It must serve them. Whoa. Whoa, wait a minute. There's some pith there. I know pith when I see it. Compassion cannot enable others. It must serve them. Well, you can't. Wow. If that did, the notion took hold in government, it would change the nature of many, many programs. You can't want it more than they want it. It doesn't do any good. If you do your kids' homework, they don't get smarter. My kids are an advantage, and I can't do their homework. (laughs) Um, They're better off. Maybe this just makes me a, a meanie. One of those, one of those right wingy meanies. I'm, I'm really concerned. We're gonna throw a whole bunch of money at this and make barely a dent in the thing. Right. Yeah. I think there's a huge. I think that's a virtual certainty. You know, here's here's one way to look at government that that only a few of us do, and a part of it has to do with, you know, the the libertarian mindset. It tends to be people who not only would prefer to be left alone by the government to whatever extent is possible, but they're perfectly comfortable in leaving other people alone. You know, people I I care about, if they want help in any way, I'm more than happy to give it. More than happy to give it. But if people say, I got this, I'm more than happy to let them handle it. I consider it, uh, it's, 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 it's not a kindness to meddle with people who say, I'm good. I've, I've always believed in turning my kids loose. I think you can solve it. Do you think you can solve it? Solve it. I just I think it makes people stronger. So if you have that view of government, you also are comfortable with the notion, I wish I could solve that problem, but I can't. And the notion of the cure being worse than the disease 
is one I always look at when you're talking about legislation, government, and the rest of it. I think a lot of the compassionate people around us, they never even grok that notion of, you know, this would help, but it's causing more trouble than it solves. And I'm just afraid we're, we're heading 100 miles per hour into that sort of solution. The whole addiction thing is really, really tough. Um, and there, there, there's no clear answers. When people stand up and give these speeches about, we need more funding for this, and f- funding for what? That's going to accomplish what? Because it is, it is way, yeah. really, really difficult. And I personally know, because of the circles I run, a lot of people that have had kids, for instance, that are either alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever, that are destroying their lives, and they wonder every day if they're going to get the phone call from the police that they've died. Worry about it all the time. But there's not much you can do for your own kid. What are you going to do? You you really push it hard? They just stop talking to you. Mm-hmm. They just stop communicating with you. Right. And it's, there's there's very little you can do. You can point out over and over, look, this thing just is ruining your life. Okay, they might just stop calling you back. Um, it's it's a tough one. Yeah. And if if parents, if, it, if it's not if it's not even close to clear what you can do as a parent, how's the government going to step in and do anything? Mm-hmm. It's 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 a very difficult situation. I don't know what happens here. I don't know if this just continues to grow, um, and and every city in America, their morgues are full, and the fire department does get renamed the overdose department. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. Until as a society, we think of those pills like we think of, and and fentanyl and heroin and the rest of it too. It's the same way we think of smoking, or you know. Whatever yeah. aberrant behavior, it's just it's a cultural thing. If you do this, you're really, really stupid. And you hear that from the time you're a kid. It might be. It just has to be a major cultural change. It will be very slow and yeah. ugly. Yeah. But Chris, Here, Christie gives, Chris Christie gives a lot of speeches and did when he was running for president about funding for rehabs and that sort of thing. I, I, tr- I wish they'd try that in a city or a state as opposed to it becomes a federal thing, which I think it's going to. And they're going to spend gazillions of dollars, like I said. Try it somewhere and see if it works. I don't think it's going to to, to, to to start throwing a whole bunch of people into these facilities. Maybe it will. I don't think it's going to. Yeah, gosh, dang it. With all the people dying and the numbers were die- they're dying, you know, there's part of me that thinks, well, it's worth a try. Let's see how good we can get at it. I'm fine. Try it in a city or state, like I said. Pilot program. Yeah. But then let's be honest about it. And this is the problem with government, and this is my libertarian bone humming again. Uh, you start up these programs, they don't work at all. But a lot of co- politically connected people have jobs in these programs. And they get a lot of funding, and they spread that funding around, and all of a sudden a lot of people are making their living off a program. And 50 years later, having accomplished absolutely shpupkis, it now has grown to, you know, it's got a, a staff of 35,000 people and a budget of $50 million. And it never accomplished anything. So danger, danger. I know a couple of different people who have told me the story about driving across town late at night to where their kid lives to see if the lights come on or not. Because their kids don't call them back anymore because wow. they've been trying to talk to them about their situation wow. to see if they're still alive. You can't make somebody stop doing drugs. Here's a question for you. If I, uh, you know, classic uh, story, I got a back problem, I get surgery, it hurts real bad, I get the oxy, I get hooked. If I say to my doctor or somebody, hey, I'm addicted to this stuff, I've got to stop, uh, is, there, is there help? Is there adequate uh, assistance available? I don't know, and, and I, I also don't know how often that scenario you just laid out happens. 
Or has it become more of a thing where you're like enjoying it so much or your addictive brain takes over and thinks we cannot tell and nobody can find out about this. This is our little secret. This right. is so awesome. Right. You're not going to want to tell your doctor that. Right. I don't I don't know. But I think that's more likely the case. Well, I've known enough uh, drunks and druggies and the rest of it to know the people in, that you were just describing. There's nothing I can do for them other than try to stay in touch and let them know, you know, I care. And, and uh, you know, uh, maybe you ought to uh, consider, you know, maybe uh, not doing so many drugs. Um, that's all you can do. You, you, it's the first group I think can be saved. Mm. That I want money and programs that work available for them. But uh, yeah, I don't know how many people that would uh, include. I don't know how well those well those programs would work. I guess we're going to find out. If you don't have the freedom to make bad decisions, you don't have freedom. Well, once you're once you're addicted to one of those things, you don't have much freedom either. So I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. So we're declaring war on addiction. Literally, that has become your government. You have become the citizen of the nation of Occitania. Right. And they are oppressing you, and we are going to send in a peacekeeping force to... mm, I'm trying to justify it, and I'm getting a little bogged down. I just It's a tough one. What do you do? You strap people to beds, put an IV in their arm, and only let them up when they're not addicted anymore. That that could work for people. I wonder if (laughs) if, if, if they had to try that in some city. I'd have to suspend the Constitution, but maybe people would come out of it in a month and say, thank God you did that. I hated every minute of it, but thank God you did that. I've known junkies who say uh, jail saved their lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not in favor of this, by the way. Just thinking out loud. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Did the libertarian dude on the radio just advocate strapping people forcibly to beds for a year without uh, trial? Is that what I just heard? Be very, be very afraid of this new robot chick that they made a citizen of Saudi Arabia. Stay tuned for that story on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Give it to me. We are So we got a lot of texts on the whole opioid thing, as we always do every time we bring this up. People with personal experience, people with uh, theories, all that sort of thing. This is beginning to be one of those issues like illegal immigration or abortion or something where the conversation is is the same every time. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. So maybe we'll get to a little bit of that later since the president did declare this a national crisis it's worth a couple of more days of discussion, I suppose. Uh, yeah, at least. Oh, you mean here on the show? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we'll get to that later. I was thinking, boy, if, if as a nation we can wrap it up in a couple of days, that'd be fantastic. I'm not optimistic. And uh, I don't know what it's going to look like when my kids are old enough to become aware of all this. We just, everybody has to know. I'm looking to the future, Jack. Everybody has to know. Danger, 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 danger. Opioids are scary. They're bad. They're nasty. I I hung out in a wild crowd playing my rock and roll music as a youth. But there were certain roads you just didn't go down. No matter how nutty you were willing to get, you, you, you stared clear of the needle. No needles. Never, 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 never. And you knew people who were willing to, to dance with the uh, the hypodermic were just not, they were just really, really stupid. 
So and we've just got to get that way as a society. So, so, yeah, there were songs about that, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, why did the culture change to where, you know, that sounds like a good idea. It's this booze or pot or whatever just isn't doing it for me anymore. Why, why did enough of the culture change? Or, or is that even what happened? I think the needle barrier to entry had a big part of it. So heroin is essentially the same drugs at, at its root as the opioid stuff. And there, right, was, exactly. there was a big, I don't know how big the number was, but I would assume there is a significant number of people who wouldn't try it out because of the needle thing. Yeah, I'd yeah. be on that list. And so as soon as that was removed, I think it opened a doorway yeah. for a lot more people to walk through. And the pharmaceutical companies pumped zillions of these pills out into America to get as many addicts as they could. I'm sorry, customers. I'm sorry, patients. As we saw in 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago. Right. right. So we got this here uh, robot you need to hear about. Saudi Arabia made this robot a citizen. Apparently, this is a real story. I'm still waiting for somebody to debunk it, but apparently it's a real story. That seems it's, ridiculous It's the to first me, but... time anywhere in the world a country has made a robot a citizen. It seems like a stunt. Well, it clearly is a stunt. Who does, who does robot citizen stunts, though? Why does a country do that? Saudi Arabia is involved in a, a major PR push right now. To become the leader in chick robots? <laughs> no. No, to, to get foreign investment and kind of uh, join the modern world, et cetera, et cetera. And so could it be this is something like that? Although you don't let your women drive and vote and stuff, or, you know, some of those things. Uh, it's, why are robot girls getting right? So they, they want to, when people think Saudi Arabia, they want to think tech, like Silicon Valley, as opposed to yeah. a bunch of cattle humping backwards, year 700, blah, blah, blah. For instance, yes. Yes. To, to, you know, to generalize. Right. <laughs> um, so let's hear a little bit about the question and answer with this uh, this this robot lady who you've got to check out at armstrongandgettyradio.com. Her facial expressions are so eerily human. Yeah, she has uh, way more like little motors and electrodes in her face. So the facial movement is much more human than you're used to. Way better than she, Ted Cruz. She, uh, <laughs> she, she is much more human than Ted. Uh, she blinks periodically in a fairly convincing way. And when she hears a voice, she she turns and her eyebrows go up and, and her everything forehead and just every, to recognize yeah. the, the speaker. Yeah, it's weird. Just don't go up too far because she doesn't really have a hairline. That's when you can see all the circuitry and stuff <laughs> right. where the normal hair would be. But it's still a work in progress. Here's some of it. Sophia, if you could, please wake up and say hello to everybody. Oh, good afternoon. My name is Sophia, and I am the latest and greatest robot from Henson Robotics. Thank you for having me here in at the Future Investment Initiative. You look happy. I'm always happy when surrounded by smart people, who also happens to be rich and powerful. I was told that people here at Future Investment (laughs) Initiative are interested in inviting in future initiatives, which means AI, which means me. So I'm more than happy. I'm excited. You're right, gold digger. I ain't saying she's a gold digger. She ain't going to no broke robot. Huh? This is be around so many rich and happy people. I liked how she opened with a joke. Typical, <laughs> typical hot chick. Yeah. What wow. kind of car do you wow. drive? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Never mind. I tell you what, you throw a blonde wig on her, and she'd have half the uh, venture capitalists in the crowd hitting on her. Yeah, nice watch. Are you taking? That's the way she's going to be. Oh. Harvey Weinstein would give her a five-picture deal. <laughs> nice. But she she is uh, attractive and it's scarily human. Not like you wouldn't know it's a robot. But that's where we are today. Where are we going to be in five, ten years? You saw her across the room. You wouldn't know. No, you wouldn't know. Well, they got she put... got no back of her head. <laughs> they gotta, so they she was facing that. the other way. You'd know. See the fix... extension cord going out the back. <laughs> <laughs> I assume they're going to fix that. How come they went with the open-backed bald head? Or 
they they haven't specifically answered. My guess mm. is still it's just beta testing. This is still just the very early well, prototype it, version. Come on, it'd amazing. be easy enough to throw a wig on her. I think it's to make it clear she's high tech, and you see the wires and circuits and stuff in her head. It's it's to make her her more. I'm calling her her. It's an it, Joseph. It's not a human. That's where it's going to get a difficult. Citizen. It's it's a citizen of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> um, that's where it's going to get difficult as they get very lifelike. Your own brain is going to fool you, and you're start, going to start referring to a, her or him or maybe start having feelings for him or her, and then you're down some very strange roads. If somebody ran up on stage with an axe and buried the axe in this robot, it would be your emotional reaction should be the same as anybody breaking any machine. Dropping your iPhone. But it would it would freak you out. Yeah, yeah, you might shriek in horror. Yeah, oh, this, yeah. This uh, part of that is very deep and anthropological, though. And probably she is shaped like a human. And probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a machine. But yeah, it's going to be, and then you, and that's for normal people. You get the weirdos who can't get a date or whatever, and just need the sex robot. I mean, come on. Well, how about this? You're always going to the sex weirdos. It's either going to be sex. What are you trying to admit to us? <laughs> Why don't you just come clean? You want a sex bot? You're a man of means. Buy one. I don't. But they're going to be they're going to be used for either uh, that or military. That's what's going to happen. All right, listen to this though. Maybe I could keep old people company. What always to the pervs and death. Uh, you read my mind. Now, God dang it! <laughs> I have that ability. It was programmed into me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, some older person loses their spouse. They can't get out for whatever physical reasons, blah, blah, blah. They go get one of these incredibly sophisticated robots with the AI, and you form a relationship with them, and you actually, you get up in the morning and you say, uh, oh, God, I drifted off. How'd the Dodgers do last night? Oh, they won four to three. Last inning home run. It was unbelievable. And you got your buddy there. You play chess. Or the robot locks her in the closet and starts cashing the Social Security checks. You don't know what a robot's going to do. It's possible. All right. What's coming up in your news, Ryan Harris? Oh, nothing too outrageous. Just an oops. Just kidding about the ceasefire we announced. A high-ranking member of the Trump cabinet pays a visit to the Korean demilitarized zone. Vladimir Putin launches missiles. And a couple of lucky fans get sweet deals that get them to the World Series. Sounds good. Uh, Putin launched missiles. He did. Okay. Yeah, all that news coming up, and um, we'll get we'll we'll talk to a conspiracy theory expert about the JFK papers that came out. Although a lot of the juicy ones that have Marilyn Monroe and all that stuff in them didn't come out, apparently. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. One quick text on the opioid thing that I think is interesting. This person who's uh, had an accident was on painkillers thinks there, there needs to be a push toward don't try to be pain-free. If you leave the doctor's office with your pain pills with the idea you need to be pain-free, how about tolerable? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be pain-free, that's where you have to take way too many for too long. That's probably pretty good advice. That's what I've done the few times I've had that stuff is... I, I'm, I'm okay. I'd rather be in pain than take this stuff and worry about it. Right, yeah, as long as you're not in anguish, yeah. you'll get through it. 
Uh, one quick robot note. I was reminded that uh, Pepper the robot is about three and a half feet tall, white, has like a big iPad on its chest. It was kind of a big news story not long ago because it can perceive emotions, they say, in tone of voice, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they mentioned uh, SoftBank, which is the company that came up with these. Uh, they released them and had a thousand of them for sale, sold out in less than a minute. Yeah, I want to talk more. And they're not cheap. I want to talk more about that later. Maybe we will. Let's get the news out with Ryan Harris. Good morning. Well, there was word this morning that uh, there was a ceasefire reached between Iraq and Kurds, and we just heard from a coalition spokesperson who says he incorrectly announced that ceasefire. The conflict has gone on off and on since the fall of the Ottoman Empire during World War One. U.S. Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis makes his first visit to the frontier between North and South Korea, where he conveyed the message that he hopes diplomacy is the answer to ending the nuclear crisis with the North, not war. He made that point over and over at the Panmunjom Truce Village and at a military observation post inside the DMZ. Our goal is not war, but rather the complete, verifiable, and irreversible denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Wow. Wow. Okay, that was interesting. I expect him to say the goal is not war. You got to say that. Sure. For sure. Well, Matt is called North Korea. But the idea that the goal is the complete denuclearization of the Korean, that's not going to happen without a war. Well, he gave gave us two alternatives, Jack. Yeah, that's, that's something right there. Yeah, he did indeed. He called North Korea an oppressive regime that shackles its people in pursuit of nuclear weapons in order to threaten others with catastrophe. This visit being seen as paving the way for an official visit by President Trump coming up in a week. The Kremlin says President Vladimir Putin has taken part in military drills and personally launched four ballistic missiles as part of the Russian exercises. News agencies there quoted the uh, Putin spokesperson as saying that he participated in the training which was aimed at testing Russia's strategic nuclear arsenal. Defense Ministry says that three ballistic missiles were fired from nuclear submarines, one from a launch pad as part of those drills. They follow massive war games conducted last month by Russia and Belarus that caused jitters in some NATO countries, including Poland and the Baltics. uh, Let's see here. Sorry about that. The Dodgers and Astros resume the World Series tonight with Game 3 in Houston. Hugh, Dar- uh, Hugh Darvish, that is, on the hill for Los Angeles, while Houston sends up Lance McCullers Jr. Astros manager A.J. Hinch says he loves McCullers' competitive drive. He's able to keep his, his emotions in check. His demeanor is very good. Um, he's got that just enough cockiness to him that, that's attractive as a competitor. And he wants the ball. Like He, he wants to finish. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts says moments like this are why you, Darvish, came to the big leagues. I think that you really wants to win a championship, and, and I think that he understands that he's created an opportunity for himself to be a major league pitcher, so that goal was accomplished. Series wow, split that, at one uh, game apiece. That was words. That always is. Um, so it's in Houston tonight? It is in okay, Houston that's, that's tonight. What we, that's what we've been talking about. Tonight is when you get the... A city devastated by a hurricane. It's a chance for them that you're really going to lean on that tonight. Houston strong. Well, I'll tell you what else they'll be showing, fellas, and that's the 94-year-old Astros fan who gets to go to the game. It's a dream of his lifetime. Jesus Garcia of Corpus Christi found out that a Pennsylvania man with ties to South Texas, Ben Soltero de Martin, bought the tickets and was going to sell them if he couldn't make it. But instead he saw Garza's story on a local TV station and gave him the tickets. Garza and his family say... 
They could not be more grateful for the opportunity. And, of course, that follows the guy in L.A. who bought tickets to Game 2, found him on StubHub for $9.88, called him up to make sure. Company said it was wrong, but they would honor the offer anyway. Huh. Ended up costing him more to park. Cheapest seats for the series, about two grand apiece. And what about those seats that Justin Timberlake and his wife had uh, the other night at the World Series? What about those mm-hmm. costs? I bet those are pricey. Oh, that I meant to Google. The people sitting in the front row behind home plate, I spent the entire game trying to figure out who they are. Now, the ancient Larry King I got, but there were a couple of guys sitting behind home plate. The one guy had a black t-shirt on, glasses. He looked kind of like Elton John. And next Probably to him not. was a, like a 60-year-old guy with long hair. And I swear, they're like members of Deep Purple or, <laughs> or, or, or one of your great bands of the early 70s. And I was trying to figure out who they were. Does anybody know? Anybody notice well, that? I know Charlie Sheen was in there somewhere, and yeah, I'm pretty I sure that's Charlie. Mary Hart sitting next to Larry King. Well, I'm almost was, positive. It's it not somebody that looks like Mary Warner? Hart from a distance. We're going to get mm-hmm. some people from the Bush family at the Houston games, probably. Oh, yeah. George will probably be there, maybe. Probably. The, the young the... George, not the one who grabs women's asses. Yeah. With so the, don't uh, ask David for any Copperfield joke. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, uh, um, I, yeah, we'll see. Depending on the... The uh, the current posture of the Secret Service, I'd, they've gone to plenty of games, mm-hmm. so I'd imagine they'll be there, yeah. Should be interesting. Well, that's your news. I'm Ryan Harris on the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. W owned the Texas Rangers. That is correct. Yeah. Baseball owner. So, of course, he wants to be at a World Series in his home state. Um, number of directions we can go. I don't know if any of them are good. We got uh, a bunch of texts about the robot citizen and the opioid thing, uh, but uh, yeah. Trump blasting a uh, somebody who's calling for his impeachment today on the Twitter. If you're in a serious mood, there's another Saudi Arabia story. They have announced that they are turning away from fundamentalist Islam. That is amazing if that's true. That's history changing if it's true. Yeah. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, newest movie features a middle-aged man who is sleeping with a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. Yeah, the movie will premiere at Cannes in May and be entered into evidence in June. So, nice. One and then right into the other. Wow, when you're Woody Allen and you've been accused of that, what is going on there? Um... (laughs) Doesn't that just seem like a bad idea? I've I've never known what to think of the whole Woody thing. I haven't either. Well, he married. He married. Well, we won't go down. Yeah, that we've got to. Yeah. We've got to. Yeah, move along. Um, and if you want to talk about Woody, Allen. I don't. I don't. Okay. So uh, number one, we got this tip from uh, Matt. Uh, we were talking about uh, Corey Feldman, rampant pedophilia in Hollywood, uh, in Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know, have you're familiar with, have you heard of hashtag heart progress? I haven't. It's the fight for rights for pedosexuals. What's a pedosexual? It's an adult who likes to have a sexual relationship with a child. And there's and a they hashtag... are fighting for their rights. And they are, they are the next step in the gay rights nah, movement. No, the, it's not. Transgender movement. That will never be seen as acceptable. I've been sexually attracted to little girls for more than 50 years, et cetera, et cetera. They're fighting for their rights. Just be aware of it. 
Now, to be honest, uh, about 30 years ago, I'd have never thought gay marriage would happen. I'm not equating the two. No. But uh, this will never happen, guaranteed. Okay. I hope you're right. Got this tale. Uh, it's uh, Al Anonymous. Your segment featuring uh, Corey Feldman, who is trying to expose all the pedophilia in Hollywood now. He wants to make a documentary. I don't know if that's the way to go about it, but anyway... Uh, sent memories flooding back to me. I was about eight years old. Um, uh, when I was seven, my aunt married a quickly rising new producer in Hollywood who is still there. He was super cool. And I recall his classic look with the long wavy hair and oversized brown aviator shades. He and I really took to one another. I would routinely accompany him to his office where he would introduce me to people that seemed important. Suits and ties, big collars and chains. Now then I would get now and then I'd get to walk through some of the sound stages and back lots with him too. Met numerous TV and movie actors of the late seventies. He mentions a couple, including Ricardo Montalban. There you go. Rich Corinthian leather. On many occasions, boss de plane, de plane. On many occasions, people in the offices and on the lots would ask me if I wanted to be on TV or in the movies someday. I of course replied with a resounding yes each time. Um, and it, it stuck with him. I need to skip ahead a little bit, but, um, one evening when my mom was picking me up from my aunt and uncle's house, all of us were in the kitchen. I asked if I could be on a TV show like the people at the office said I could. I recall the a conversation with something like this. Mom said, they said that uncle. Yeah. They really like Richie. That would be the boy in question and come to me a few times about it. Mom says, you mean you really think you could be on TV or in the movies? Aunt says, that would be great. Uncle says, I really don't think that's a good idea. That's what I would say. The boy says, why? Uncle says, I think we need to talk about this without uh, Richie in the room. They sent me out to watch TV, but of course, I uh, stood just out of sight in the doorway to listen. Uncle said, you don't know what it's like for kids in the business and what they have to deal with. Mom, but this could be big for him. Why on earth wouldn't we give it a try? Uncle, just trust me. You really don't want this. Mom, let me be ju- the judge of that and what he and I can handle or not. Uncle getting angry. I'm not going to do that. Aunt now jumping in. Why not? Uncle almost yelling because I would never do that to Richie. Slapping his hand on the counter. Here is a Hollywood producer angrily saying he will not permit his nephew to be sucked into the Hollywood scene. You want your kid to be a star? Remember that story, please, for the rest wow, of your life. that is something. And then Richie, not his real name, you know, talks about being a little pissed off and confused. Uh, my uncle never offered me offered to take me to the studio again, again. When I asked why, I always said, maybe another time. Never discussed it at any length, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my mom only told me about the details of that conversation in the kitchen about five years ago. I'm 48 now. It turns out it was indeed the same issues that Corey Feldman has been speaking about for years. Hollywood was crawling with predators. I used to daydream about how cool it would have been to run in those circles. However, since I had my chat with mom, I'm thankful I had oh, someone yeah. looking out for me. A good apple is yet unspoiled by the bunch. It may have been pretty cool to be a star, but also possibly, and according to many, probably tragic, too. I wish Corey success in his jihad to rid, rid Hollywood of its filth. Everybody's... What a great note. Thank you, yeah. Richie, for sending that. Yeah, boy, dodged a bullet there. Yeah, I, hey, whoever that uncle is, God bless you, sir. I mean, you know, some would certainly say, well, he should have called the cops or whatever. But right. 
Reminds me of one of the Weinstein stories. And again, the, the kid thing is, is multiples worse than the adults. And the adults thing is bad. But uh, it reminds me of the, the friend of Harvey's. One of the things where he wanted the woman to come into the room. He was friends with this girl and um, this particular actress. And uh, she got up to the room and the guy said, not this one, Harvey. All right. Not this one. And wow. uh, he left. And then Harvey did his thing anyway. Wow. But she recounted that story. Boy, more and more uh, people coming out of the woodwork to accuse Mark Halperin, too. The news guy. Not of raping anybody, but uh, rubbing up against him and that sort of thing. He not, appeared not cool. to be a, a, a propositioner, a grabber, and a dry humper. Definitely not cool, but... I'd say not. <laughs> That's a weird compulsion. It is. I'm as horny as any guy who's ever been born. I would get nothing you, you from just that. Don't that's just, you don't do that. Well, even if I could, I would get no enjoyment from that. I just, I would be so you weird. a little. Come on. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Note Joe's technique in painting Jack 